Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Do you know someone who has fallen victim to financial exploitation? Are you worried that someone you care about could fall victim to a scam artist? Well, you're going to want to listen in today as we have Dom Blandin, CEO and President of Investor Protection Trust, to share with us the results of their most recent survey, Family Members, Caregivers, and Swindlers are Top Financial Exploiters of Older Americans. Find out what the red flags are and what you can do to prevent yourself or someone you care about from falling victim to one of these bad apples. Welcome, Don. Well, thank you. The first thing we wanted to maybe talk about today is you, through the Investor Protection Trust, a nonprofit organization, just recently did a survey. Family members, caregivers, and swindlers are top financial exploiters of older Americans. Tell us what prompted you to do that survey. For several years now, we have been concerned about the rise of financial exploitation among seniors in this country. In fact, it's not only this country, it's all over the world. I've just returned from a meeting of a number of different nations, and because their populations are aging as well, and those populations carry a lot of wealth with them, they become targets of financial exploitation. Don, let's talk about why the elderly are at higher risk of being targeted by or taken advantage of by unscrupulous individuals. Well, one thing is that they control over 70% of disposable income in this country. Their assets, which they have taken a lifetime to acquire, are now out there, and they become victims because, as people say who rob banks, that's where the money is. So with seniors, they have a lot of wealth that they've accumulated over many years, and as they age, unfortunately, they become targets. Hey, Don, share with our listeners, what are some of the most common ways that people are taking advantage of the elderly and they're becoming victims of this financial exploitation? Well, it can range from fairly small amounts of money being siphoned off by someone who gets a senior's ATM card and gets to pin and takes money out of the bank account over time, sometimes by saying, I'll help you buy your groceries, and then the senior notices that a lot more than the grocery money is coming out of their bank account on a regular basis. That's something that occurs, unfortunately, within families. When you have a dependent family member who may be dependent because it may be a drug problem or some other dependency, and they find a relative who obviously most family members are trusting and they get access to a bank account or some other asset that they can siphon off for their own needs. And that, in our recent survey, uh, family members were indeed one of the top three financial exploitation problems, followed by caregivers, and then others, say strangers, who come in and do, say, a Ponzi scheme or an affinity fraud in the neighborhood. I think sometimes it's helpful for all of us to maybe learn by other people's experiences. What types of stories have you heard from senior victims of financial fraud, and can you cite some actual examples? As tough as it's got to be to see this happen and hear the story, maybe it will help us all be better prepared. Well, just today we were working on two different stories, one in Florida and one in Arizona, which has a high senior population. And in that case, it involved family members. In the case in Arizona, an individual who's in his 80s, his wife died, was taken into Arizona by his daughter. His full account, his bank account, and his investments of roughly $250,000 have quickly gone to $14,000 because his daughter has been taking money out on a regular basis and he just discovered it and that was because she was put on the account 
because she offered to help with day-to-day living needs of the 86-year-old. And unfortunately, she took a lot more than that. You know, I've heard of a story recently, too, where people are told that there's somebody working from the Social Security office and they want them to make a deposit in the bank and make a withdrawal in the bank, and we want to make sure that's all working. And I actually had a client not so long ago fall victim to this, where she actually took out $5,000 from her account, gave it to this stranger, and it amazes me because I worked with this client. I worked together with the family, and she was always so cautious. How in the world do these people manage to convince somebody? I mean, they're total strangers. Managed to convince her to take five grand and hand her cash out. I was just shocked that this lady fell victim to that, knowing how cautious she was and always having family members. But this one instance, she felt it was important to not include family members. Do you have other examples like that or things where people are falling victim that they maybe shouldn't be? One thing we should be aware of is as we age, it's a normal aging process, our brain starts to shrink. And as our brain starts to shrink, we sometimes lose cognitive skills. So one day we could have been the sharpest investor that you know, and the next day we're saying yes to things that we would normally say no to because we've lost that cognitive skill that makes us look at risk and not take it. We become less risk-averse and begin saying yes to things that we would say no to. It's usually called mild cognitive impairment, or MCI. It is not necessarily leading to Alzheimer's or dementia, but it is a natural aging process of the brain. And because it makes us less risk averse, where we're doing everything as we normally do, we're driving a car, we're going out to movies, the theater, but we are less risk averse. So if someone comes and befriends us and says, I've got a great opportunity or I need money and I'll pay you back, we will say yes to that when maybe yesterday we'd say no, that doesn't sound like a good idea for me. Well, and I have to imagine with more and more people, especially older populations, starting to get used to technology, using the Internet, email, texting, all those things, you definitely must be seeing a rise in that type of fraud also. Gosh, I get emails all the time that looks like a bill from a phone company or somebody that's, you know, fishing for information, trying to get you to click on it and reply. This must just be a common problem also with the older community, I'm guessing. Sure. It's very easy usually to get someone's age on the internet through an internet search. If you see that they're, say, in their 60s or 70s or 80s or even younger or older, you can get them involved in an internet scam. Everyone has pretty much heard of the Nigerian scam, but while everyone has heard of it, people still fall for it. Or the Spanish lottery or the Canadian lottery, the letter that comes in and says, you've run the lottery and all we need you to do is send us a check for this amount so we can process everything that you've won. Those kinds of scams are very common now. The scamsters who do it are thinking of new ones all the time. We got one in my mail last night. My wife has her doctoral degree. She did a dissertation, and we have a letter from the U.K. saying, gee, we're sorry we released your dissertation by accident, but we now want to send you the proceeds of it for the people who have requested it. Just fill out this form. So just out of my own curiosity, I looked at the form, and it had a lot of private information that if someone had, they could access our financial accounts. So as I say, there's a scam du jour out there. Well, let's switch gears here a little bit. Obviously, our listeners are getting this program through their professional. How can family members and other older Americans make sure they're dealing with a trustworthy and legitimate professional in these different areas? 
Well, obviously, you can check out their background. You can go to your state securities regulator and request background check to make sure that there aren't any complaints, that the person has passed all the necessary tests, hold the necessary licenses to be able to sell products. For example, a financial planner, seeing what their background is, seeing if, for example, they're a certified financial planner, CFP, or some other designation. It's really good to check the background of the people you're entrusting with management of your money, not just do it because someone recommended that you may be acquainted with, but you need to do your own due diligence in terms of background checks. And let's understand a little bit about how the Investor Protection Trust Elder Investment Fraud and Financial Exploitation Prevention Program actually works for people. Well, that's a very long title. We call it here the EFE program, E-I-F-F-E. I'm pleased to announce that any major search engine, if you put in E-I-F-F-E, it'll come to the top of your page. Occasionally, someone will think you're looking instead for the Eiffel Tower, which is spelled slightly different. But our website, investorprotection.org, or just putting in a search engine, E-I-F-F-E, will bring up the prevention program, and it is a program to reach out to the medical community, doctors who see seniors on a regular basis, so that we can engage them in this effort to prevent financial exploitation from happening rather than having it happen and then trying to chase after the money that's been lost. And as you probably know, in most cases, you're lucky to get 30 cents on the dollar when you try to chase after the money that's been lost. So preventing it is what we're trying to do by engaging the medical community who can talk to their patients to make sure that they're not having any kind of a financial stress in their lives. And if so, at what level is that stress? Is it simply not being able to do what's called ADLs, activities of daily living, like paying the bills? Or is it really you've signed off power of attorney, for example, to someone who now you have a question whether they're actually acting in your best behalf or not? That is excellent. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's go a little bit more into some of the survey results, so please stay tuned. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your real wealth advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer securities and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Don't forget to visit the Resources for You section on your Real Wealth Professionals website. You'll find links to many educational tools and resources. You'll also find a must-read section including many great authors who have been guests on past programs. Feel free to order any books that interest you or someone you know. Welcome back as we continue our conversation today with Don Blandon, who's the CEO and president of Investor Protection Trust. And we're discussing their recent survey released August 15th of 2012 that shows how and why seniors are being targeted for financial fraud and abuse and what needs to be done to prevent it from happening. So according to your survey, Don, what are the best ways to reach older Americans who may be vulnerable to financial fraud to educate and protect them from being scammed? 
The best ways to reach older Americans is really in their communities where they are comfortable and they have their own networks, professional and personal networks, and where you can go in with a number of people who, in our case, we do a lot of education programs. We call it investor education in your community, wherever that community is. In some cases, it's a workplace. In other cases, it might be a faith-based institution. It could be a community college. It's somewhere where seniors feel comfortable and they can engage in conversations with the experts that we help find for those events, as well as other seniors. The best activity we see is when face-to-face people are coming together with their peer groups and exchanging information and helping each other. As I talk around the country on this issue, I basically say, you've heard this before from others, it takes a village, which is why we've now brought in the medical community. We're working with law enforcement. We're working with adult protective services. We're working with financial planners and many others to watch out for this particular growing problem we have in this country about seniors being targeted. Hey, Don, why don't you share some of the red flags that family and loved ones can be looking at to kind of indicate there might be a risk of some financial exploitation? I certainly will. And by the way, our Elder Investment Fraud Prevention Program with medical community includes training, continuing medical education for doctors. So if there's any doctors listening who are clients of folks who are trying to help them with their money, we welcome them to help in joining us to protect seniors. Some of the red flags we point out to the doctors through our program are things like social isolation as someone living alone because they become targets of individuals who might even come door to door offering to say fix a roof that really doesn't need fixing or do landscaping that never really occurs but they're collecting money those kinds of financial exploitation activities a bereavement someone who's recently had a loss and is feeling kind of down and out, as we all do from times, and is looking for someone to befriend us, and ultimately maybe that person isn't really being a friend. It's a person who is taking advantage of our grief. Dependence on another to provide care. This is where the caregivers come in. Make sure you're checking the background of anyone, and neither where families get involved. If you're helping to provide caregiving services or helping hire someone to provide caregiving services, make sure that person's background is checked and you have references, etc. If someone is financially responsible for an adult child or spouse, maybe that adult child has a gambling problem or a drug dependency, that's a red flag. If you see alcohol or drug abuse or depression or mental illness, these are all red flags. What we try to get the doctors to do from a clinical observation is look for, are there any cognitive problems? Are there any changes in appearance, poor hygiene, anything that would indicate that there's something going on that isn't right. So watching out for that and recognizing it and talking with others in the family, as long as your family has never been on the Jerry Springer show, you're probably good to start with the family, particularly if it's the person who's bringing in the senior to a medical assignment. Now, a lot of seniors go into their medical appointments by themselves, but they usually do have a pretty strong relationship with the people there in the office. Now, i got to ask you, Don, because you were talking about this program you have for doctors and how they can help identify different issues. I've got a question, and that is, don't they run into challenges with the HIPAA rules? How can a doctor, if they don't have a HIPAA release form signed by the individual, 
could they reach out to another person or family member to talk about the dangers? How do they protect themselves in that area? Or is there something that the seniors can do when they're maybe drafting powers of attorney, healthcare, financial, that they put language in there that releases the doctor from maybe alerting a family member if there seems to be the potential for this type of fraud going on or taking advantage of them? Well, first, it's very state by state. So you first have to look at the rules in a particular state. But in many states, if a doctor feels that there could be some type of a financial exploitation or fraud going on, they can report it. They're not reporting medical information. That's the key thing, is not giving medical information or saying that I think this person has this medical problem, so therefore there's a financial problem. But if they witness some type of elder abuse, whether it's physical or mental or financial, they should report it and try to get help. And there are a number of referrals at different levels. For example, I mentioned earlier the further social assessment and help with managing money or other care, things on a daily basis that the senior needs assistance with, paying those bills, for example, so the heating doesn't go out, electricity doesn't go out, legal advice on financial planning or legal documentation, wills, estate plans, etc. If fraud or exploitation has been observed, then perhaps bringing in the adult protective services in that particular state Now, remembering that Adult Protective Services is only going to be involved if there seems to be a cognitive function problem. In other words, that the senior cannot act in his or her best interest. So in that case, there's probably some need for further medical evaluation and to test for potential cognitive impairment. But what we're finding is, and we're tracking the doctors who take the education courses that we offer, that they're welcoming an opportunity to help their patients because as we age, as we all age, we are sometimes more challenged than we were earlier. It's very difficult to have these conversations about money, but we also should look at it as something where we want to do something while we still can make the decisions ourselves. So, for example, I've had this conversation with my own children. They know how I manage my money, and I've told both my son and my daughter, who are now just finishing up college, that when I start acting differently, I want them to call me on it. I'm giving them the power to be able to do that because I don't want to be working all these years for themselves and our community and others who we support to be at risk because of strange things I start doing. What an amazingly powerful thing to tell your children and to empower them to say, hey, call me on it when it's time. Not many families probably have that conversation, so I truly commend you for that. It appears as though your organization has actually trained, is this accurate, more than 3,000 U.S. medical professionals? 310 as of today and starting this fall, we have a dozen other training sessions around the country. Our goal is to finish up in this first phase of the program having trained 600 medical doctors, other healthcare professionals, and the hope is that in the first quarter of next year, we will have an online version of our program so that many more doctors can take it online, take the exam at the end, and get credit for it as part of the expansion of the program. And by putting it online, we hope to quickly ratchet the number up to about 15,000 nationwide. But we're also starting to do the same kind of training with pharmacists, dentists, with other caregivers, professional geriatric care managers who come into contact with seniors as well. And certainly social workers and nurses is a big, big part of this because in some states you'll find, say, more nurse practitioners than you will doctors seeing seniors. What about insurance professionals or financial professionals or even CPAs? Is there programs for them as well to recognize that in their clients? 
We have been working in partnership with the Financial Planning Association, which is meeting in just a few weeks for their national conference, and they've been very helpful in partnership with us to help alert and train, educate financial planners in this area as well. And of course, the financial planners themselves, I've been going to the FPA annual conference for years, and every year I see an increase in the number of conference sessions at those national conferences that deal with seniors, elder Americans as they're aging, and the challenges that they might have as they attempt to keep intact their nest aid. I can see this training being just so invaluable to all the professionals we talked about because I can't imagine just, I guess myself can say I've been in a meeting where I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if some things have changed, but having the training to properly take that to the next step and know how to comfortably reach out to a family member to say, just wanted to share my thoughts because, of course, sometimes so many people are afraid of liability. So what a fantastic program that you're promoting. Well, having that conversation within the family and starting it in a positive way usually starts with you're sharing something going on in your life related to your money management, and then you attempt to get your father or your mother, or if the father and the mother's doing it, the son or the daughter, to start talking and having that conversation. It is important. It's a difficult one. I don't know why it's that difficult, but we have to have it because we all have to figure out how. The good news is we're living longer. The bad news is we got to figure out a way to afford it. And losing money through financial exploitation when you're older, you just don't have the time to make it up. So we really need to unite in communities and as a nation to protect our seniors who are turning 65 every day at a rate of 10,000 seniors per day till the year 2029, which will be the end of the baby boomer population. So it's a huge challenge for us, and we need to make sure that not everyone will need this, but those seniors who need that little extra help and a little special assistance will get it and know there are people who are out there who care. I know a lot of clients like to keep things close to the vest, and they don't want to share anything, but I'll tell you what, the results I've seen personally when having family meetings get everybody kind of included doesn't mean you have to be talking about every detail to the penny, but just taking an overview of what their plans are, what they're looking to accomplish, where they're coming from, where they're going. And if you've got, I always call the family members the ground troops. They're the eyes and ears on the ground to make sure mom and dad are still doing okay. And you have those meetings when mom and dad are okay so that everybody can have that discussion. Why don't we wrap up with one last thing, and that is what are some of the best practices in providing financial literacy information to seniors? It's really at the local level. And it's really with a team of people who can offer not only on-site education, but also be able to offer continuing contact with the seniors so that they have a place to go and know that they can go back and forth and back and forth. It's not just a kind of one-time, let's go to a seminar and we'll give you the seminar and you'll know everything and leave you a couple of brochures. It's really creating a community presence for financial capability among the citizens of that community. And we're testing different models. For example, many young people who are now learning about investor protection in high school as seniors before they graduate, and certainly some of the ones who go on to college will learn some of this, having them go into places where seniors are, whether it's assisted living facilities or retirement communities, and share that information that they've learned. Because this is really an intergenerational thing. We really need to get the different ages talking together and looking out after one another. 
And seniors in high school, for example, can get community service for it, can learn themselves what to do and as they move forward with their lives and their careers, but they can also look out for others in the community and some of the people who actually help build that community. Well, Don, I really appreciate you sharing these thoughts with us and what your organization has been doing, the Investor Protection Trust. Again, that's a nonprofit organization designed to help protect seniors from investment fraud and being taken advantage of. So if you could share with us, again, that website where that information is available. Sure. It's on the World Wide Web at Investor Protection is one word, investorprotection.org or .org. If you want an introduction to this subject, we have a nine-minute video that you can see online, which will explain why this is such an important topic for this country. Don, that's just excellent, and I know we have a lot of professionals that deal legitimately with their clients. We're as motivated as anybody is to protect our clients. Anything that can help make their experience better with them and their family and avoid those few scam artists that give the whole industry a bad name. Anything we can do to stop that is, I think, a step in the right direction. So we really appreciate you sharing this time with us, and hopefully some of our listeners are able to take advantage of some of the things that you talked about and prevent another victim from falling prey to these scam artists. And I totally agree with you. The financial planners I work with, you work with, are great, and they're helping a lot of people, but there's always a few bad apples in the bunch, and they can wreak havoc with people's lives, and we want to make sure that that's prevented, not just chasing after it after it's happened. That's why this is a prevention program, financial exploitation prevention program, with the emphasis on prevention. Anyone who wants to come and help us, I'll be glad to share additional information. They can email me through our website. Thank you very much, Don. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your real wealth advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real wealth advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, P.O. Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and have a wonderful week.